0: This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 115, with guest Nisha Moodley. All links and resources you hear on this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 115.
1: This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host. The girl who serves it up straight with a side of
0: crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here with me today as we head into fall. Fall is one of my favorite seasons, as is spring. I love them equally. I really can't choose between the two. It's like asking me to choose between my children. I love them equally, but for different reasons as to why I love them. I love fall, and I love spring. I hope that the summer is winding down well for you, and I am really excited, as always, about today's guest. Nisha is on the show, and before I tell you a little bit about her, and before we jump in to what we have for you, I just wanted to give you... A quick update on what's going on over here at Your Kick-Ass Life. So a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I have a few spots open for one-on-one private coaching with me. And here's an update of what's left in case you've procrastinated, but you're still interested in working with me privately. I have one spot open if you want to bring your booty on down to North Carolina this fall and coach with me in person. Over a weekend and a few of you emailed and you were like, what weekend is it? So sorry, I was not clear on that. We would work out what weekend works for both of us, but I have one spot open sometime this fall. So sometime between now and the end of the year. We're in 2016, depending on when you're listening to this. We would work out what works for us. and We would knock it out in a weekend. And I have one spot open for that. One of them was already taken. And I also have one spot open to start The Daring Way one-on-one where we do it virtually. We do it over Skype. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. And we do that over a four-month Time span. If you don't know what the Daring Way is, it's the work that I do based on the research of Brene Brown. And please, 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 whether you're interested in the weekend or the longer program, it's the same program. Either way, we just one is over a weekend and one is stretched out over four months long. It's at yourkickasslife.com forward slash coaching and click on leadership coaching and mentoring to read about exactly what the program is, to see if it's right for you, to see what the outcomes are when you're done with the program. The commitment and the price of the program is all over there. And if you're interested and it feels like it's right up your alley, And shoot us an email and we can figure out and we can get on the phone together and we can figure out which works best for you if coming to North Carolina to knock it out in one weekend or the longer program. Either way, I would love to have you take up that last spot. And again, so even if you are interested but can't do it right now, my practice is full until November. So if you want that spot, it will get snatched up and held for someone. So if you don't get it, but you're interested, you're going to have to wait until January. So again, yourkickasslife.com forward slash coaching and click on leadership, coaching, and mentoring, or it might be leadership, mentoring, and coaching. Either one, that's where you'll find all of the information. So that's the update on that. And let me, before we jump in, tell you a little bit about Nisha. Nisha Moodley is a women's leadership coach and the founder of Global Sisterhood Day. Inspired by the belief that the world will be set free by women who are free, and sisterhood is key to a woman's freedom. By midwifing women back to sisterhood and the truth of their innate beauty and brilliance, Nisha creates communities of women leaders to support them to live, love, and lead with depth and beauty. Find her online at NishaMoodley.com. And without further ado, here is Nisha. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. I am joined here by the lovely Nisha Moodley. Nisha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. I'm excited. I'm always so incredibly grateful for these conversations, what I like to say, shit that matters. And by the way, Anisha, you are free to use colorful language on the podcast <laughs> if you want to. You I guess want. you don't call your podcast the kick ass. <laughs> right? I know. It's, it's so, so funny when people come on the podcast and they they're like, Oh, am I allowed to say damn? And I'm like, you do realize like I have a bad word in the title of my business. It's fine. Yeah, we are, you know, we're open to that over here. I'm excited to I mean, I've been following you online for a few years now. And I love the message that you have. And I have several questions about it. So I'm excited to dig in to this conversation. But the first thing I want to ask you is, what does it mean for you for a woman to be free?
2: You know, there is an amazing Nelson Mandela quote. And I remember hearing it when I was a kid, when he came out of prison. Mm -hmm. And so my family is from South Africa, my father on my father's side. And so, you know, we had like, it was like Krishna, Gandhi, and Nelson Mandela Mm -hmm. posters Mm -hmm. in the house. And, and I remember him saying, and I have this quote written down, I'm going to read it now. He said, as I walked out the door." Toward the gate that would lead to my freedom. I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. And what touched me so much and touches me about that quote is to me, it is such a perfect description of what freedom is. You know, here he was stepping out into, you know, freedom from being in prison, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. you know, we would think of freedom like yeah, we think like being in prison. prison, Sure, like being in prison is, you know, like getting the handcuffs put on and being put behind bars is not free. And it's true, right? That is one form of you are not free to roam Mm -hmm. if you are in prison. But that is a form of freedom. That's extrinsic freedom. And there is also intrinsic freedom. And if we are shackled within the stories and the circumstances of our lives and believing that we actually don't have the capacity to create beyond our circumstances or to perceive beyond our stories. And that, to me, is another way of not being free. So for a woman to be free, as I see it, is, yes, we get to enjoy all of the extrinsic freedoms. That is part of our freedom. I think when the Dalai Lama said, the world will be saved by the Western woman, you know, why the Western woman? Well, because we are known for the freedoms that we have, Mm -hmm. you know, we have freedom of speech, we have freedom to roam, we have the freedom to vote, you know, we have freedoms that many women in the world are prevented Mm -hmm. from having. And there's something that we can do with that. Right. And it's actually to free our hearts and minds and to step into our leadership. And I think that's what he was talking about. And so for me, for a woman to be free is to not only have that extrinsic freedom, but also to realize and recognize that we are creators in our lives and that the emotional states of our lives are largely dictated by the stories that we live in. And we can either perpetuate stories or create stories that cause suffering Mm -hmm. or create stories that create joy and pleasure and expansiveness and beauty in our lives.
0: I love that. I love that. Drop in the mic already, girl. Like and I think like to tag onto that and to create change with the new stories that women can create. Totally. And
2: to be the change that we want mm-hmm. to see in the world, right? So that's what I was leaning from that Nelson Mandela quote is, you know, he is also a crusader for freedom and he knew in some sense, that not only would he still be in prison if he didn't leave that bitterness and hatred behind, you know, even though Mm -hmm. he was roaming free, but also that he couldn't be a crusader for freedom if he was
0: in his own inner state in shackles. Mm
1: -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: prison. Well, I'm I'm so glad I led with that question because I could ask 10 different personal development experts that same question and get 10 different answers. And I love that about your message and, and what you're teaching and inspiring women to do. And what that made me think of is, I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast. I led a retreat in Mexico several months ago, and I was kind of ranting about it in front of all these women. But I think that many women don't realize, especially in our world, the women who are interested in personal development. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are someone who is interested in bettering yourself, whether you feel like you quote unquote, have your shit together. I have lots of words to say about that, but you know, I get a lot of women who are like, Oh, I feel like I'm doing life wrong. And I'm, that's why I listen to your podcast and stuff like that. The thing I have to say about that is that if you are interested in bettering yourself, you are a leader. You are a leader in your community, in your family, whether you know it or not. And I don't say that to like put pressure on people. I say that to, as an invitation to step into that, And I think that that sort of tags on to what you were saying in your definition of what being free is.
2: I am so with you. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I know also you talk a lot about sisterhood and how has your own personal sisterhood changed in your life as you've gotten older and what has that done for your life? And maybe we should start with like, what is your definition of sisterhood? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So,
2: (laughs) you know, I think that a lot of people yearn for depth of Mm -hmm. connection in their lives of friendship. And so I kind of think of sisterhood as a many layered thing. And so when they yearn for that friendship, you know, whenever we're yearning for something, like if you're yearning for partnership, romantic partnership, you know, you're probably not yearning for the times when you're both totally triggered. (laughs) You've got one foot out the door. You're yearning for like, oh, and we're going to feel a sense of like rightness with one another. And, you know, it's Uh like, I'm going to have a best friend to wander through the world with. And the reality is that Mm -hmm. all of that and you also are going to trigger the shit out of each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at some point, one person might have one foot or eye out the door and it's tough. Mm -hmm. Like partnership is tough and real deal, deep friendship, it's not always easy. It's not always like painting each other's toenails and, and, you know, hugging and crying and mapping out, you know, your dreams together. It's that, but there are also times in my friendships I've, as my friendships have deepened and I'll kind of get into that journey, but where like one of my friends have like lovingly, like I call it like calling me in. There's calling someone out, which is like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they're like calling me, you know, in a sense, calling me out. But they're like, they're like, Hey, yo, this thing, like, this is your pattern. Or I really felt hurt by that thing. And it's not to create drama. It's to create connection, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm really clear about that. Like, I don't have friendships that are full of drama where we're like constantly in conflict and always fighting and dredging up things to be pissed at each other about. But we're also like, they're driving in my blind spots and I'm driving in theirs. And we have a unique view on each other's lives. And we're just that kind of stand for each other. And so when I say multi-layered, what I mean is like my inner circle sisters, like the women who I go to when I'm like fallen apart or they're the first people that I tell when something amazing is happening in my life, like those inner circle sisters, we've got depth, you know, and I like to say like our friendship has wrinkles and gray hair and stretch marks (laughs) and I wouldn't have it any other way together, you know? And so I think on a level, right, sisterhood can be that. Like it can be those deepest, deepest, most nourishing and challenging, but ultimately growth inspiring relationships.
0: member FDIC.
2: and then there is like sisterhood on the collective level and you know i'm not friends with every single woman on the planet (laughs) and i can feel the incredible need for us as women to stand and here's the thing this isn't to exclude men or those who identify as male it's not about that it's recognizing that you know, we still haven't actually achieved equality. We still globally, no way. I mean, not even in the U.S., forget about right? The world, right? We're not there yet. And we have a lot of media messaging and, you know, and we could just go on and on that actually kind of works against us feeling deeply connected to ourselves and our intuition and in deep trust of ourselves and one another as women. And so this isn't about being against anything. This is just about being for Mm -hmm. ourselves and one another. And I really feel as we stand together side by side, like, no, I am not going to tear other women down for how they look, Mm -hmm. for how they choose to parent, for how they, you know, for how they dress. I am not I am, I am just, just not a stand and I don't have to be friends with every woman in the world to be a stand for us standing side by side as women supporting one another and saying, you know, no longer am I going to contribute to the proliferation of body shaming of women. Like no longer am I going to turn a blind eye to the injustices against women in the world. So to me, on the collective level, that's what sisterhood is all about. It's taking a stand for standing with my sisters. And on the most sort of intimate inner circle ways, I think sisterhood can be those deepest female friendships and the relationships where we really have mirrored for us all of the places where we still have insecurity and jealousy and comparison and competition uh, and you know, like in partnership, when you're triggering the shit out of your partner, it is not pleasurable. There are times where Seeing the reflection in the mirror and, and how we still compare ourselves to others or are in competition with one another. It's not always pleasurable. It's right. not always right. very pretty and it's how we grow. And so, so that's how I see sisterhood. And just really quickly, my journey with sisterhood in my own personal life has been back in around 2000. Nine, the Dalai Lama said that quote I mentioned earlier: Mm -hmm. the world saved by the Western woman. And at the time, I was coaching, and I really started to get passionate about like, oh, what he means is the world will be set free by women who are free. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was kind of like my interpretation of this. Like, I get it. You know, we have to be free. We have to be the change. Mm -hmm. And so I started. You know, that was happening. (laughs) I was getting that and starting to get really passionate about what does it mean to be free Mm -hmm. and how do we create freedom and I was at the time really struggling in my marriage. So in my mm. personal life, I was really struggling in my marriage and I had some amazing girlfriends that refused to accept my weather reports about my relationship. Yeah. They'd be like, what's <laughs> on? And I'm like, Oh, you know, like marriage, it's really hard. And, but we're working through it and you know, it's a day by day thing. It's surface put, level. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I had a few girlfriends that would be like, stop, stop. What is that? Like, I know, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I yeah. this." go deeper just give it
0: like, to me real sister yeah give it to me all
2: oh, right exactly and then in my work I was starting to scale from doing one-on-one to doing group coaching and I was noticing that the women in my group coaching programs were getting so much and they were getting this thing that I couldn't provide my one-on-one clients which was community mm-hmm. and that all of the shame they were feeling and all of the secrets that they were holding because they felt like you know nobody would get it or people would judge them you know were All of that shame was being transformed in the experience of sharing what was going on in this safe, loving, supportive community of women. And I just started to recognize that there was this incredible connection between freedom and sisterhood that I saw. And so for me, my personal journey has just been about, you know, it's like when I moved to San Francisco from New York. The first thing I did before I moved actually was say to all my friends, who do you know in San Francisco? I Uh need new girlfriend. Because now I can't imagine my life without my girlfriends Mm -hmm. and not just someone to like go out for a drink with every now and again. But, you know, people to like see me, you know, and hold me when things are rough and that I can hold when things are rough for them and that we can celebrate together. You know, it's like lifeblood for me. So that's been So much of my journey has just been deepening in sisterhood with new friendships and also deepening in the friendships that I've had since high school and childhood. And just really, first of all, being led and then leading, co-leading in those friendships to deepen them.
0: That's awesome. I think one thing I want to point out that you did is that you were intentional about it and that yeah. you it sounds like you were really clear on what kind of friendships that you wanted because well for one it was modeled for you, like your friends calling you in, as you say. And then when you moved across the country, you were intentional about creating these friendships, which I think is awesome. And yeah. I think what I would love for you to to talk about is and kind of tell us your take on it is I think that a lot of people listening I know it's common because I've heard it and you probably have in your communities as well, is that there are women who don't have these close friendships, even if they've tried to be intentional about it, because Mm -hmm. they have a hard time trusting other women. I think all of us have been betrayed either by an intimate partner or by a girlfriend at some point. And I also think that a lot of us. And this is not to blame ourselves, but a lot of us have never been modeled what it actually looks like to be a good friend, so we don't know how to create those deeper friendships. So, what would you say to a woman that, first of all, says like, "I don't know how to trust anybody else"? Like, how did you? Because you make it sound like I just moved to San Francisco and like, and then we were like crying in each (laughs) other's laps and like, like a a field of daisies.
2: Because uh, yeah, because will little deeper always- than that, right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So I think first is just recognizing that as humans, we have a tendency to pull the past into our future,
0: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's what like we- evidence.
2: Totally. And that's human nature. But if we can just recognize like, oh, that's kind of how we operate. And that doesn't mean that it's inherently true. It's just I'm taking the ghosts from my past and projecting them into the future. So for example, you know, if you got bitten by a dog when you were five, now you always are terrified of dogs and think dogs are horrible creatures, and they should be eradicated from the face of the planet. But You know, anybody who loves dogs would be like, no, they're not horrible creatures. Like, I'm so sorry that you got bitten when you were five, but like, ah, that's uh, just not the truth. (laughs) Right. Like, not all dogs want to bite you, you know, and bite your children. And who knows, maybe something was going on with that dog that we don't know about, you know, maybe they were really scared and, or maybe they were mistreated. You know, we have these perspectives about some things in our lives that just because a child doesn't like broccoli doesn't mean that they will never eat broccoli for their entire lives, And that broccoli is a horrible thing, but somehow with relationships, because the hurt or the rejection that we feel towards that thing. It's not on a shallow level like broccoli Mm -hmm. or on a physical level, like getting bitten by a dog. It's on an emotional level and those pains can cut very deep. And so we tend to then project into the future as a safety mechanism. It's always a safety mechanism. It's like I was cheated on once. And so now I just believe that like all men are dogs Uh and they're scum and they don't really care. And I'm just going to keep looking for proof of that because that's what humans do. Right. I was all the mean girls in school were so mean and you just can't trust women. Women are catty and And you just can't trust them as far as you can throw them. Just don't, don't even go there.
0: Mm -hmm. I think for some women, like that's not even on a conscious level. That's on a subconscious level. Subconscious
2: level. Sure. Mm -hmm. Totally. And so one thing is just recognizing like, oh, it's a protection mechanism to project the past into the future when actually we're not little girls on the school ground anymore. You know, we're not a five-year-old with a dog. You know, we've learned since that relationship. We've grown. We've learned to trust the intuition that we feel or those initial gut hits that we feel about somebody, right? And so we forget that we're not the same as we were then. So one thing is to recognize that. And then the other thing I love to do is look for proof that the thing that I want exists. And so because we're automatically designed to look for proof that the thing we believe is true, Right. So if I believe that all men are scum, I'm going to look in the world and I'm basically you will find gonna, them. <laughs> I'm going to delete all the men who are treating their women well. I'm going to say things like, oh, just wait. You know, how long have they been together? Oh, yeah, it'll happen. We just try to prove ourselves right, which is crazy. It's crazy, but it's human.
3: <laughs> we just have to. It is totally out. normal.
2: It's totally normal. And it's our normal kind of crazy. And to actually look for proof that the thing we want is true. Right. So what I would say to women who like, don't have close friends and have a hard time trusting other women is look for other female friendships that you are like, oh, I like that. I like what they have. Mm-hmm. Like that looks really sweet. Sometimes I'll have somebody write on my blog or like on social media. If I post about one of my girlfriends, like your friendship looks really sweet. That's what I want. And I'm like, yay, that's awesome. Like Mm -hmm. I'm so glad they're, you know, having the experience of, Oh, that's what I want. And I think that's what we need to do. It's like, if you want to, for example, if you're a mom and you want to, or you're about to become a mom, like I am. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) And you're like, God, how am I going to balance my career and motherhood. Mm -hmm. How am I going to do it? Rather than look at all of the people who are frazzled and haven't figured that out for themselves, start looking for proof. Like who is doing this? Well, Mm -hmm. you know, even if you have to look real hard and you find one example, great. There's one example. Yeah. It does exist. It exists, which means, It's possible because it's possible. We don't actually need proof to know that anything is possible, but it helps that little part of our brain that wants to cling on to proof that it's not possible Mm -hmm. to see evidence that it is. And so that's what I would say is, first of all, just know that that's a protective mechanism you know, to withhold. Second of all, look for what you want. Look for what evidence of what you want in the world. And the next thing I would say is just be open to the experience, you know, be open and be, as you were saying earlier, like be proactive, create it, like go out and look for it. Facebook is amazing, right? And so if somebody moved to a new city, they could say, hey, friends, I'm moving to the city. And do you know anybody there? Mm -hmm. And you just never know what will happen as you go down that rabbit hole. Somebody might say, oh, you know, my sister-in-law's sister lives there. And so you meet the sister-in-law's sister and you like, don't really hit it off with her so much, but she invites you to a book club and you go, okay, you go to the book club and then you kind of hit it off with another woman. And then you go back to the book club and you go back. And then one day she says, hey, do you want to like go for a walk after this. I'm not doing anything. You go for a walk and a friendship begins.
0: Yeah. You just never know. You never, you just never know. Yeah. I interviewed a woman on my podcast who it's episode one Oh seven for anyone's interesting in going back to listen to it. And she's like, she wrote two books on friendships and I was so excited. I was like, this is a topic that's not talked about enough is our female friendships. And I think what happens is, I don't know if you see this too, but I think women get really impatient. Like we want it now, because all the women that are in my audience they're very smart and they are go getters and they like to tackle things and when it doesn't work out, they're like, ah, forget it You know. (laughs) But I think, you know, and and Brene Brown teaches us that evidence shows us that trust is built in small increments organically over time and that Mm -hmm. we can't force it. And you know, how many of us have met somebody, met a woman, and then like, you know, we tell her our deepest, darkest secrets, and then we're like, oh my God. Sometimes it works out, you know, and she's reciprocates well, and then sometimes it doesn't. So right. I think just to tag on to what you were saying is yes, be proactive and be patient. And you have to put yourself out there in just small increments and, you know, just gently start to open up little by little by little and and just see what happens. Like, you know, Nisha and I aren't guaranteeing that it's always going to work out, but it's like, we can guarantee that it will never work out if you never try.
2: Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the guarantee. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one.
3: Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do?
0: And I know you also talk about leadership and we touched on this a few minutes ago. So I'm curious what leadership means to you and what does it have to do with women?
2: That's a great question. There is a way that women tend to be, I'm saying tend to be, I'm generalizing, right? Mm-hmm. And so many women will probably recognize themselves in this to some degree, right? But There's a way that women tend to be very naturally kind of considerate of the entire system. So for example, you know, if you are scheduling your week and you have children and you've got your business and you've got a partner and you've got an aging parent or aging parents, there's a way that you're probably thinking about all of those people and how every choice that you make impacts this experience or this person over here or this thing over here. And there is a, a challenging aspect to that, which is that as women, we kind of often default to putting ourselves last uh-huh. and deprioritizing our well-being. And that's a whole other conversation and something that is part of our growth often as women is to re-embrace self care and prioritizing our well-being because we are also part of that system. And it is an ecology and there's a really beautiful aspect of it, which is that we bring that consideration to all parts of a system. And so the reason that I want, and I'm not the only one, obviously, to hear more women's voices in the world is because I really believe that as we hear more women's voices in the world, we are going to see less war we are going to see more effort being made towards solutions for very real global problems. We will see more money going towards education and healthcare.
0: I'm going to cut you off. Yeah. Say more about when you say hear more women's voices.
2: Yeah, well, more women standing up and speaking out, speaking you know, more drink. women bringing their voice in. I mean, a very tangible example of this is women winning the right, although we always had the right, but we had to fight for it to vote, Mm -hmm. you know, and what kind of choices get made in a society where women's voices are shut out? Well, first of all, who knows how to be in a woman's body, a woman. (laughs) And so any choices that relate to our bodies get probably eliminated when we don't get a say. Mm -hmm. Right. Who knows what it's like to birth a baby into a world, A a woman. So what happens with all of the choices that happen around that? Right. So those are just really obvious examples, but there are so many examples. And so I'm not saying that women are better decision makers than men. And I'm not saying that all women are kind of more holistic or multifacetedly considerate in our decision making And in our considerations, I'm not saying that all men are only thinking for themselves. I mean, that's obviously not true, but we need to be able to bring all people's voices up to the fore and into the world. And so I'm just incredibly passionate about women standing up and speaking out. But leadership to me is about first and foremost, us, as we were talking about earlier, being the change. Mm -hmm. It's like not about preaching about something that we aren't living. It's about actually being a living example of what we stand for. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So if I'm a stand for sisterhood, And yet backstab other women and talk behind their backs and, you know, gossip about a woman's cellulite at the beach. And like if you're being hmm. a
0: total hypocrite is what you're saying, because I think everyone's (laughs) a little bit of a hypocrite every once in a while.
2: (laughs) If that's how I'm living, then I'm not actually a stand for sisterhood. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. I am. And that's not leadership. You know, leadership is being the change, which isn't to say that we're meant to be perfect. You know, I was talking with a, yeah, a client right, and friend exactly. of mine yesterday, and she was like, oh, you know, I'm teaching this thing. And sometimes I feel like a fraud because mm-hmm. this one part of my life is really challenging. And I said, your job isn't to be perfect because that is impossible. You're a human. You're not here to be perfect. But as a leader, you're here to be honest about your imperfections. Mm-hmm. And walk the talk. And to walk your talk and to be engaged in the work. Mm -hmm. So to not run from that area of your life that is really challenging. And it doesn't mean you have to tell everybody your personal business, but also not to wear a mask of perfection, Mm -hmm. to not pretend that that area of your life is perfectly handled and everybody should want to be just like me. You know, that to me is exactly not leadership. That is, it's wearing the fancy suit of leadership, but not actually being a leader, so to me, you know, to recap it, it's really being in the work. It's being the change. It's a moment to moment, day to day experience. Mm-hmm. It is like reengaging in making the choices and doing the personal growth and you know letting go of the things and and, and embracing the things that actually create the world that we want to live in. And then to cultivate the courage to stand up and to speak.
0: Yes. To share. There's a kind have. of nail in the coffin for lack of a better term there. Mm-hmm. And I love that you were saying, you know, it's not about us having a better voice. It's just that there are not enough women voices speaking out. And I think, well, for me, I like to ask people like, what is the thing that gets you fired up? And for me to think like we didn't have the right to like it just blow it blows my mind that women were not allowed to run in the olympics until i think it was 1984 that's like why
1: that's like in you know, our Catherine, lifetime well Catherine my lifetime. Like, i
0: could go on and on about this like Catherine Switzer, i will post a link in the show notes to this she is my hero she do you know her story i don't think i do okay so Catherine Switzer. Was and I was totally slipping my mind what college she went to, but she was a runner and she ran cross country and track and she wanted to run the Boston Marathon. So this was in, I believe it was the late sixties. I have to check. Keep telling the story. I remember. Okay, so women were not allowed to run in the Boston Marathon, which like blows my mind. Like you are not allowed because like they were afraid our uteruses would fall out or something. So she decides to sign up for the Boston Marathon under her initials, K.L. Schweitzer, and she trained with her coach, and so she goes the morning of the Boston Marathon, and and her telling the story is just incredible. Like, I cry every time. Every time I watch it, I watched it, like, 50 times, Her tell the story. And it was cold and she, you know, she takes her hoodie off and everyone sees that she has long hair. And she said she even wore lipstick. She was so damn proud of herself. So she's running and she's like, she can hear this like collective, you know, talking around her. And there was, she said, the men were like, oh my gosh, there's a woman here. Awesome. And so they start running and the person that put on the race I forget his name, Arnie or something. And he comes, there's like a truck that comes and he gets off the truck and he's like in his regular clothes and he tries to grab, physically grab her number off of her and he tells her to get out of my race. And her boyfriend at the time was this big giant football player and he completely checked the guy and there's pictures of it. And there were journalists there that captured it. On film and pictures, and there's pictures of him. Like, you know, you can tell she's scared because there's this like man like coming after her who looks pissed off because like he's gonna hit her. And she changed everything but that helped Title nine And I mean, to me, like to think that, and still, like in 2016, the female Olympic soccer players are getting paid so much less than male. I'm like sweating over here. Like, this gets me fired up. And like, these are the like, what gets you fired up about it doesn't even necessarily have to be women's rights or, or anything like that, but what is it for you? Is Is it the environment? Is it parenting? And it doesn't even have to be something that everyone agrees with. I mean, there's probably going to be a lot of people that disagree with you. That's the point of speaking your truth and standing up. That's the thing that makes you play small is like, well, people are going to disagree with me. And, you know, and I mean, trust me, like Nisha and I both have had people email us. I'm speaking for you and like saying, like, I don't like what you say. And, you know, I think you're whatever. It does hurt. It (laughs) stings. But like, you know what stings even more is, like, getting to the end of my life and having my kids or grandkids say, like, why didn't you do that? You know, and it's like, what am I supposed to say? Because I was scared. Like, I couldn't have that conversation. So for me, and I totally don't mean to, like, am <laughs> taking over. <laughs> But it just it's like this great. leadership fires me up because I think that we take leadership way too seriously. Like we look at people like Ariana Huffington and Michelle Obama, who are these like amazing leaders. And we think like, well, if I can't do that, then I'm just going to like, I'm just a mom, you know, like I'm just over here, you know, and I'm like, well, that's bullshit. Like you have a voice. You were given a brain and a voice so use it. And again, I just think we take leadership so seriously and we don't need to, like we can be leaders on this level that is perfectly amazing in our own oh. communities. And that's Absolutely. all I have to say about that.
2: I mean, you can be a mom who changes school lunches at your kid's school, right? Or you brings can meditation be a mom or anything, who brings meditation in or, you know, creates an anti-bullying policy. You know, you can be a person who builds a community garden. Mm-hmm. And that's leadership because you realize that there was something that your community needed and you felt fired up enough to be the person to do something about it. Even so just I having
0: conversations that. like the conversation that you and I are having with someone like your neighbor and be like, I was listening to this thing and they were talking about this. And like you have no idea what the ripple effect is going to be. Absolutely. So absolutely. There, now Andrea is mad. I'm bringing you yes. to me. <laughs> Whether she likes it or not. I'm coming with you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. So I have one more question for you and I know you're not prepared for this question, but I always like to surprise my guests with it and I always get it answered differently. But the question is, is what surprises you about the work you do with women?
2: I think what it is, is just what a capacity we actually have to hold space for whatever is, you know, to be with whatever, you know, every year I run this mastermind, I've been running for six, seven years, six or seven years now. And so it's a group of like 20 women. And we go deep together. We're together for nine months. We go on 2 one week long retreats together. We do like super, mm-hmm. super deep work together. And you know, we've been through, you know, over the years in the communities, we've been through divorces, we've been through marriages, we've been through miscarriages, we've been through, you know, births, we've been through deaths of parents, we've been through a lot together in these communities, we've been through dissolving of business partnerships. You know, we've been through burning businesses to the ground intentionally and then dealing with, you know, what to do with the ashes and incredible successes and incredible wins and like everything on the other end of the, you know, on the end of the spectrum of like beauty and joy and excitement and and pleasure. So just so much. And every year as we're about to start the journey, there's this little like, part of me that's like, can I really handle this? You know, Mm -hmm. even though I've been doing it for years, like, is something going to happen this year that is too much to hold? Is this going to be the year that I hit my edge and can't do it? And, you know, I've also had women have conflict in the circle before. Nobody's like pulling out on switchblade.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not like personality that.
2: Ow, whoa, that thing, you know, like, and, and there's a conflict. And so what surprises me, is our ability as women, as people, when we actually just be with what is, without any story, without any wrong making, without any needing it to be different, Mm -hmm. just how much we can be with and just how being with what is, Mm -hmm. is the thing that totally transforms the space and provides an opening for healing.
0: That is beautiful. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I understand it very well. I understand that place very well. Yeah. I think I just want to tag onto that because I know that very well. And I'm so glad that you said all those things because there's a theme that I see with women who are afraid to feel their feelings and just, and surrender to what they're feeling. And when I coach them around it and get to the bottom of it, A lot of times, if not every time, the fear is, like you were saying, that once they start, they won't be able to handle it, that they will get out of control. And there's lots of feelings and fears around being perceived as, you know, hysterical and things like that. But every single time with the right support, women are able to handle it. We are amazing creatures. I'm the female species <laughs> we are able to handle everything and i think that there's really something to be said about sisterhood like you were saying and holding space for someone i know it sounds very cliche but i think cliches are made for a reason a lot of times because they're just wonderful and thank you for sharing that with us and thank you for yeah. sharing your wisdom today Oh, Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. It's so great. Such a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And congratulations to your baby that's coming very soon (laughs) when this episode comes out. And it's just been such an amazing, I'm just grateful for this conversation. And thank you all for listening. If you guys go to the show notes, All of the stuff that we've been talking about, you can just easily click the link and go there and Nisha's social media handles as well. But Nisha, if someone's just dying to see you right now, what is the best place that you want to send them?
2: Just to my website. It's NishaMoodley.com. Everything's there. I'm there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I live there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's my other living room. Other living room. Awesome, you guys. NishaMoodley.com. Thank you so much for being here. And until next time, Ask Kickers, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.